everybody, welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, everybody's fourth or fifth favorite, for the most part, baseball-centric podcast. My name is Jeff. I'm one half of the show. The other half, joining me as always, with a couple of guests in his in his personal studio today, it is my co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, man. I, I did not recently get sick and go to a camp with the Oakland Athletics, so I'm doing fine. I'm not sure. How are you doing? Yeah, so... I was, we were hoping to have a, a pod out a little bit earlier than this, but I've gone to two Oakland A's fantasy camps now the last two years. And twice I have come back with no championship ring, but I have come back with COVID both times. So, you know, it, it's starting to be a tradition. Yeah, it's kind of like a rite of passage. It's the way I start out the new year is to get the new flavor of COVID. And then he lets us know what it's like and uh, know if you want it or to not. Avoid it. Yeah. That's right. We got to decide. And from what I'm hearing from you, I'm going to go with no again. Yeah, I would pass on this year's version of COVID because it sucks. Like really bad. Yeah, I'm staying away as best as I can. Yeah, I don't know how good this is going to sound. I could, you know, have to do a lot of editing because I'm still coughing and sneezing. Not sneezing, that's allergies. I'm coughing and sniffling a lot. So we'll try and get through it. I know I have not talked this long for probably two weeks, but let's get into it because we, we've kind of got a show. We don't really have a, a great structure for this show. Some would argue that, you know, it's a normal show. But uh, we've got a lot of things to talk about. We've got Hall of Fame. We've got some other stuff that we got to talk about and catch up on. Plus, I want to talk about going to camp because I got some things. We won't go too in-depth with it, but some things that I think people that listen to this podcast will enjoy hearing about. So, Let's just get into it. And of course, at the end, I will have to wax somebody's pack in Wax Packs Heroes because I'm on a roll. Things are troublesome for, for me right now in Wax Packs Heroes, and, and I'm not used to defeat. So it, it's, uh, it's starting to mess with me and, and my mental um, abilities and capacities. Yeah. Nobody will be able to tell a difference, though. That's the no, great thing not. about hosting this podcast is we're two idiots. But let's get yeah. right into it. It's going to really be a, it's going to be an extended BP. It's like spring training. There Pitchers and catchers report next month, Mark. So yeah. that's right. We're, we're getting there. We'll get right into that. So we're going to start out with something. This is what like newscasts do. They start out with something salacious. They grab you, they reel you in, and then you just stay there for the rest of the show. So we're going to start out with the most salacious item that I could find regarding baseball. And it has to do with a former pitcher. We've talked about him before. But the article was, the headline said that former Dodgers all-star Scott Erickson. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about this story, first of all. Uh, the story is mainly about a woman, Rebecca Grossman, who's been charged with second-degree murder in connection with a fatal car crash in 2020 that unfortunately resulted in the deaths of two young boys aged 8 and 11. The incident occurred after Grossman had a lunch meeting with her alleged lover, and it says former L.A. Dodgers star Scott Erickson. I'm not yeah. gonna. I'm not gonna get into the case because this is a, a baseball podcast. But I take offense at the phrase "ex Dodgers star" given to Erickson. Yeah. yeah, he only played with the Dodgers one year. I think. Yeah, yeah. I remember him as a Minnesota Twin. Yeah, and and I don't want to take anything away from the awful thing that happened to these poor young boys and the family. But we do want to talk about the baseball part here. Erickson was a great pitcher. He was a really good pitcher in the 90s for the Twins and the Orioles. Actually played for the Orioles longer than the Twins even. 
But by the time he pitched for his, as you said, one lone season for the Dodgers, which was 2005 at the age of 37, he appeared in 19 games, had a record of 1-4 and four with an ERA of 6.02. We not know, his best year. Yeah, not, not his best. Uh, we know ERA and wins don't mean a lot, especially to us anymore, uh, looking at, at, at other stats. So looking at other numbers, though, from his lone season with the Dodgers, where he's deemed a star by this, uh, by this article, he gave up 62 hits in 55 innings. He struck out 15 while walking 25. And That's his rough. FIP was 6.87. His war, yeah. <laughs> minus 0.5. That sounds like something I would be getting this season in Whack Best it, it does. A typical me poll. But yeah, this year, that's more like you. The man won a World Series with the Twins. He was good for 200 plus innings and double digit wins every year in Baltimore, but you choose to identify him as a star former Dodger. Yeah, that's somebody that probably doesn't know a whole lot about baseball, would be yeah. my guess. Absolutely. Probably a Hall of Fame voter, actually, probably wrote that. <laughs> we'll, get to, we'll get to that in a little bit. But speaking of former Dodgers, Steve Garvey's campaign for Congress is going about as well as Scott Erickson's 2005 season. We talked about this a couple of weeks back that Steve Garvey's running for the open a congressional seat here in, in California. He was recently in a televised debate with the other candidates for the seat. And the article that I read said uh, nobody involved in this debate actually stood above the rest, but one did manage to look much worse than all the others. The headline actually read this, quote, to describe Garvey's debate performance as a deer in the headlights is to do a disservice to an actual deer caught in headlights. End quote. Wow. Wow, that's rough. Yeah, you can guess where this is where this is leading. Garvey failed to give answers to many questions and actually just kind of talked about whatever he wanted to talk about, whether the question was about that or not, prompting one of his opponents to quit, quote, once a Dodger, always a Dodger. End quote. I get it. Yeah, if you know who he's running against, you can probably guess who said that. At one point, the Republican was trying to prove that he was not just in line with the GOP and said that he might just vote for Joe Biden for president just to show he's his own man. Uh, Garvey, oh, well, that, that sums it up. Garvey is running as a Republican. And is it really a shock that Steve Garvey is a Republican? Well, it reminds me of like Bob's big boy, you know. I'm not going to get political, but I mean, he is he's like the poster child for he's uh, got the hair and all the kids with all the yeah. different wives plenty of built-in voters yeah his his wife did not allow him however to be questioned further in the spin room after the debate ended which i think was a good good move there and his only chance of winning was to have all of his kids vote for him but now they have been classified as undecided so things That's not looking unfortunate good. is it really you can't I, win your own kids you know, this is rough. Well, got to be, got to know what you're doing. So, Mark, how were the spreads in the Tacoma Clubhouse when you were a bad boy there? We had a lot of KFC. We had a sponsor with KFC. And so we ate like twice a homestand. We would have Kentucky Fried Chicken. But other times, my mom would actually make the spread for us. And then we'll just agreements with other restaurants. But it was a really a lot of chicken. A lot of chicken. Yeah. Uh, 
and, and a lot of you had a lot of free bread from what I remember. So probably a lot of sandwiches too. We had they would give bread away as you left the stadium. You have a loaf of bread, enjoy. Take two, you know. Couldn't have enough bread. Yeah. Well, this is a story from back a ways that I just found today, actually. And it says it took place in Pacific Bell Park. So that tells you how long ago this actually took place. Pac Bell Park was the original name of what is now Oracle Ballpark, where the Giants play. And the D-backs were in town one time, and they were not happy. In the clubhouse, they were checking out their spread, and apparently there was chili there for pregame and postgame. But above where the chili was, it was kind of a serve-your-own chili station, I guess, a chili fountain. I don't know. But it's, there was a sign that said, no and golf balls posted above the pot of chili. So that's right. got to raise some questions, right? Like what provoked this sign that would tell me yeah. not to put golf balls in the pot of chili? That seems, the team... seems rather odd. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was the a team that had come in before them had noticed that the chili looked very similar each day and that the pot might not have been clean as well as they would have liked. So a couple of players put a golf ball in the chili pot during the first day of the series. And at the last day of the series, they fished around for it and pulled said golf ball out of the chili pot a couple Ooh. of days later. Ouch. Which tells you that they did not change the chili. They did not pull it out. They did not clean anything. So if you're- Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, I would recommend if you are ever- dining in the Oracle Park clubhouse. If there's chili out, maybe choose something else. <laughs> I like the idea of a golf ball, though. I yeah. mean, I can't think of any other items that, that would have been readily available that would be more useful. Well, I can think of some. I mean, you put a cup in there. That's probably not very sanitary. Well, <laughs> you don't want people puking when you pull it out. Well, you're making a point, though. But this is yeah. why they don't allow me in clubhouses very often. All right. right. The Guardians are opening at home this year on April 8th. They're having a tough time, though, deciding whether to start the game in the daytime or nighttime. Despite it being like the North Pole in Cleveland on opening day since baseball was invented. It's not so you don't want to be that first opponent going to Cleveland because it's always cold. Uh, yeah. But it is a guaranteed sellout for the Cleveland team, the Guardians. This year, though. Uh, there's an added attraction, and this is actually pretty cool. Cleveland is one of the prime spots to witness a total solar eclipse that will be happening at 3.13 on April 8th. That is the day they are going to be opening at home. And it'll last for three minutes and 49 seconds. Wow. That is cool. Yeah, that's really cool, right? Instead of bark at the park, they could call this one the total eclipse at the park. Yeah, very nice. You know, they got to play through that, I think. I don't know. So I was reading, uh, this has happened before in baseball. A minor league team scheduled an event around an eclipse and they stopped the game and uh, all the fans had glasses and they would, you know, look at it. And please, people, use the glasses if you're going to look directly into it, regardless of what you may have seen from somebody else. The glasses are good. But I'm all for playing through it. That would be kind of cool. Turn on the lights for like five minutes and then turn them back off you could be like the first person to hit a home run during an eclipse yeah I, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do i'll probably watch the game see what they do yeah absolutely all right so it's coming up we mentioned spring training starts next well i 
don't think it starts so much as pitchers and catchers report next month. And a lot of teams, what they do leading up to that is they have fan fests or they have caravans. They have something that they try to, you know, get their fan base excited for the upcoming season. One of those teams is the Montreal Expos. Okay. Yeah. The Montreal Expos, not the Washington Nationals. But the Montreal Expos have got Expos Fest coming up in, well, they're doing it a little bit later than most teams. They're doing it in, as I look at this counter, 85 days, 19 hours, 41 minutes, and 39 seconds from now. But this seems pretty cool because what they're doing is they're getting a bunch of former players that were Expos. They come, they hang out, you can pay to come in, you meet these guys, you can get some autographs, you can have dinner with them. There are auctions signed memorabilia, and and all that kind of stuff. So these are some of the guys that are scheduled to be there. First of all, the guy with the smallest eyes in the Hall of Fame, Pedro Martinez, will be there. Probably the draw of this. I'm sure. Moses Alou, Cliff Floyd, Darren Fletcher, Philippe Alou. Let's see, Rondell White will be there. Ken Frazier, Jeff Facero. And- well, that's a pretty good lineup. Yeah, they've got a bunch of other guys. I think most people that listen to this podcast will appreciate. And uh, it's pretty cool. Some of the things that they've got here, they've got a lottery going on. Limited edition signed Larry Walker bobbleheads that you can get. Very nice. Let's see. There is a George Bell signed Topps rookie card, which, you know, I don't think George Bell ever played for the Expos, but, you know, Toronto guy. Lee Smith. Did Lee Smith ever play for the Expos? I thought he did. Let's take a look. Oh, he did for one year. His final year, 1997, at age 39. Now look at this. He appeared in 25 games. Better year than Dodgers former star Scott Erickson. He went 0 for 1 with a 5.82 ERA. Well, much better. He did strike out twice as many as he walked, though. Okay, well, we'll see. Two runs lower. So much, much better. Lee Smith, also a Hall of Famer, though. So it's kind of hard to yes. go wrong with that. But you can get other things like a Chris Widger signed baseball. Wow. Actually, there's several Chris Widger items up for bid if you're a big Chris Widger fan. So they do have zonks along with the real prices. Now, listen, if you think paying $35 for a Chris Widger autographed photo is a zonk i guess so but you know well i was once gifted a willie bloomquist autographed baseball you can call that what you want i was uh, once gifted a ken griffey jr autographed baseball and everyone else in the room was pretty mad that i was gifted i was one of them i'm still upset about that yeah well get over it it's right over there in the corner all right speaking of fan fests Here in Oakland, we don't have one because the A's suck. But what we do have is something thrown by a couple of the local fan groups, which is awesome. These are the groups that have helped rally the, do the reverse boycott and have to sell t-shirts and all that kind of stuff. They're putting on their own fans fast. This is next month. I'm so excited. Uh, That's cool. Already got plans to go there. Because the team hasn't thrown one in a couple of years. And so we're just going to throw our own. A couple of, not a couple, a good deal of former A's players and guys from the Bay Area are coming in for this. Like Chris Davis, 
Ben Grieve, Billy North, Mike Norris, Grant Balfour just said he's going to be there. Trevor May is going to be there. And they keep adding players. So this is really, really, this is going to turn out better than any actual fan fest that the A's had thrown themselves prior. And you know what? That figures. Yeah. What the fans being charged are going to do it better. Well, and I think people around the country are seeing that the the actual A's fans here are not the problem. It's the ownership. We've got great fans. Absolutely. The Oakland A's single A affiliate, however, the Stockton Ports, are also a sponsor of this Fans Fest, which is very interesting. Not sure how the organization will feel about it, but who cares? Welcome aboard. I've got a Stockton Ports hat. Maybe I'll even wear it. Hey, there you go. Get it signed. There are a lot of pieces of memorabilia and autograph, just like the Expos Fest, that are up for auction. And all the money is being donated to Schools Over Stadiums, which is a charity in Nevada, which is, you know, saying, hey, these stadiums are great, but uh, our schools suck and they're not getting any of this money. So that's where a lot of this money from the sell shirts and so forth have been going. I will be there, like I said, if that makes any difference. I even wore my bees hat to a, a couple of, of uh, outings at Fantasy Camp. I got some good nice. reactions. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Speaking of the Oakland Ballers, the Oakland Bees, we got a new bench coach. This is pretty exciting. I did see that. Yeah. JT Snow is going to be the bench coach. Now, you may ask, well, how is JT Snow a bench coach for the Oakland Ballers? Well, I'll tell you, Mark. Apparently, you, I was wondering that, Jeff. So could you tell me? I got it right here. I'll be happy to tell you. Apparently, he had emailed the Giants, you know, the team that he played for 10 years, yeah. about wanting to coach somewhere in the organization. He wanted to get back into baseball. They just never responded. They ghosted him. How nice. Yeah. It frankly, sounds more like something the A's would do. But regardless, he, he just said, I see this stuff about the Bs, sent them an email, and the next day he's their bench coach. Glad to have him nice. aboard. Let's see, Mark. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but the Hall of Fame was the, the inductees were mentioned. Not I heard mentioned. a rumor. I guess they yeah. were announced. <laughs> Just in passing, they were mentioned. Yes. I'm pretty happy. Me too. So Joe Maurer becomes the fourth number one overall draft pick to be elected into the Hall of Fame. He joins Ken Griffey Jr., Chipper Jones, and Harold Baines. So good for him. We were on the, the Joe Maurer train i guess absolutely he's in there uh, i wanted to talk about one person that didn't make it he almost made it and that's billy wagner he did almost make it i saw that yeah so he's got i think it's one more year of eligibility left i think he's gonna do it this was an interesting note from jason stark he said that wagner could return to the majors give up a hundred consecutive hits and still have the same career opponent batting average as mariano rivera wow a hundred, he could come up, face a hundred batters, give up a hundred hits. Still, that would uh, take his opponent's batting average to a lifetime of 211. Wow, that's impressive. That really is. I don't think he should do it, but. To, no, I, I, well, maybe if he did come back, that might be what happened. But he's yeah, a left-hander, so I, I'm guessing. Right, they, there'd left-hander. be a spot for him. Yeah. By the way, speaking of left-hander, there are no left-handed relief pitchers in the Hall of Fame. Not a single one. That's because they don't give anybody Hall of Fame status for longevity. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I guess you're right. Because otherwise, I guess Minnie Minosa would be in. Maybe there should be a, um, there should be a Hall of Lefties. Or a Hall of Longevity. 
that too. Let's see something else here about Wagner. He ranks first among all lefty relievers in strikeouts. So apparently, though, there were three voters who voted for Billy Wagner the previous year that did not this year. Well, that's weird. That would have put him over the top. Two of those voters, however, sent in ballots with only Manny Ramirez and A-Rod checked on them. That's just stupid. Like a protest vote sort of thing. Yeah. And especially if they had voted for Billy Wagner the year before, are they? did they find new numbers that they're like, oh, he's not a Hall of Famer now? Yeah, that I we can say what we want about these Hall of Fame voters that, that they're not always the the best people the to smartest. be choosing the Hall of Fame members. I've had my issues with that sort of thing before. We've discussed it a little bit, and it's like, what are you guys doing? Do you have any sort of idea why you would vote someone to the Hall of Fame? And it's just kind of what you just said that just kind of adds to it. So I've got a little bit more information here. So I haven't mentioned Adrian Beltre yet, who also uh, made it uh, in on his first ballot. I mean, he was a sure first ballot guy to Adrian Beltre. But uh, one of these guys that, again, only put Manny and A-Rod on their ballot, I've heard from him. He Somebody posted, not me specifically, but I, I listened to something on Twitter where this guy was discussing, he's a Boston radio host, sports radio host, which I will not say anything about that. But what he said is that he did not want Beltre's total to be higher than some of the other guys that had already gotten in because he didn't think that he was as good as some of the other guys. So he thought that he was a Hall of Famer, but he wasn't going to vote for him. We've got to take votes away from these guys. Yeah, I, I, just another step in that direction. It, it doesn't make any sense. You're just supposed to to compare, you know, how many votes everybody got. You're looking at different eras. You're looking at who, what entire class of Hall of Famers look like. You know, it doesn't make any sense to, to do it that way, at least to me. I agree 100%. I mean, guys in the 1800s, early 1900s, the game was different stats, different way the game was played, different equipment different rules. So you you can't, I mean, unless you're going to have different halls where, well, here's the gold hall, you know, here's where Babe Ruth and, and Nolan Ryan and Ricky Henderson are. Right. And then here's the aluminum hall where Jack Morris resides. Right. I mean, that's ridiculous. You, you, you're not introduced as a you know, questionable hall of famer. You're introduced as here is major league baseball hall of famer. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. It's so. not, here's the 99% Hall of Famer, followed by the 97.6% yeah. Hall of Famer. You're just a Hall no, of Famer. It's different every year. It, it's going to be different every year. I If these guys can't be, and I don't say, I don't mean guys as in males, I just mean voters. Let me get that out there. If these guys can't be serious about voting for the Hall of Fame, they should not be voting for the Hall of Fame. Agreed. I mean, we'll take it seriously. Throw a vote our way. Absolutely. Let's, we'll come to an agreement. We just need one vote. If you got two, we'll take two. I think we could come to a consensus, though. I think so. I think we think along the same lines. And 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 you're right. And are they taking it seriously enough? It does. It sounds like they just me. want something to talk about on the radio show or write a column about and be the victim. Yeah, this is a good point. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Screw you guys. <laughs> 
We're going home. All right. So, Mark, I, I alluded to it. Uh, I'm back from fantasy camp my second year. Uh, I want to talk a little bit, and we're not going to go big in depth here because I know a lot of people want to hear about actual baseball rather than a bunch of old men pretending to be baseball players. But this was a, a great experience again. Uh, you know, I know it's the A's. They're my favorite team. It was a different vibe. I will definitely say that. There was a lot of conversation between campers, a lot of campers that had been coming for a long time that were not there. A lot of campers that this was going to be their last year because of what the A's are doing. I'm already signed up for next year. I can't help it. It's, it's too much fun. But uh, I got some got some information I want to share with some more antidotes than, you know, camp highlights. First of all, I told you this a little bit earlier, but this was great. I was having breakfast with Terry Steinbach, favorite catcher of all time. That's just cool to say. I know, right? But it was just him and I, you know, I was there on the early bus and he and I were both actually waiting for breakfast to be served. We're sitting there, we're just chatting. And one of the great things about Fantasy Camp is these guys will talk about anything you want to talk about. So I'm just rapid fire questions, you know, absolutely the kind of things that I ask that I love to know. And we got to Kirby Puckett came up and this is something I did not know. I've never heard him referred to this. Uh, as this, but apparently Kirby Puckett, just like Ricky Henderson, referred to himself in the third person. I'm guessing that it was probably just to players and, you know, kind of an inner circle, but he referred to himself as the puck. That's just awesome. That is just great. Like, yeah, one of the stories was, you know, how, what a great player he was. And I was talking about to Terry about, hey, how often did you talk to batters in the box? Who were the chattiest? What about umpires? You know, blah, blah, blah. And he said, Kirby was really talkative. He's one of those guys you could talk to. And I talked to him early in the season one time. And he's like, oh, it's not good. The puck's not doing good. I think this might be the puck's last year. And just, I had to stop him and say, the puck? Did he really do that? I also low-key know who Terry Steinbach's least favorite catcher of all time is. Oh, nice. Charlie O'Brien. Really? Yeah. Now, I don't want to get Steiny in trouble. So if you know Charlie O'Brien, you know, don't pass this along to him. But apparently there is some etiquette involved with talking as a catcher to the batter. So right. one of my goals at fantasy camp was I wanted to play all nine positions. I got seven of them. Uh, I was not bad. Yeah, I was, it was pretty good. I, I didn't get to play third base, which is weird because that's easy for me. Or first base, which is, I was dreading the most because I cannot pick a ball at first base. But I did get to catch. I'd never caught before. And I had such a good time. I could not shut up behind the plate. I talked to everybody. I talked to every batter nonstop. I talked to the umpire. I was just, I was Chatty Cathy back there. But apparently, it, so I asked Terry about this. And apparently in the big leagues, the first time up, you don't really want to talk to anybody. You know, you kind of, hey, you know, maybe a tap on the pads from the batter. Hey, good to see you, blah, blah, blah. You get on with your business. After that first at bat, you might become a little bit looser. And then you can kind of put a feeler out there to see if the batter wants to talk, you know, it's kind of a two-way street, but apparently Charlie, like me, could not keep his mouth shut no matter who was there, what the situation was, and it kind of drove people nuts. I see. So there's a little inside scoop there for you. Charlie was a big talker from behind the plate. Yeah, Charlie O'Brien. 
Uh, also, uh, I don't, I think I mentioned it before. I was on Stu's team again, Dave Stewart, Ernie Young. I was on their team. They drafted me again. I was kind of nervous going into camp. Who am I going to, you know, whose team am I going to be on? And when they called my name, I'm like, this works. I love it. So I was talking to Stu. One of the things is one night during camp, the campers on the team take your coaches out for dinner. So I helped organize that. We went out and unlike last year, I planted myself right next to Stu. Last year, we came late because of some other things, and I was on a different table than the rest of the team. So I likewise, rapid fire questions to Dave Stewart. Of course, he's on the ownership group of the Nashville Stars, which is rumored to be and kind of sounds like it's definitely going to be one of the expansion teams. Nice. And uh, so we were talking about the A's and this I got from Stu. So it's nothing concrete. It's been in the news recently, but uh, he told me this before it was in the news that he had heard from Rob Manfred, our favorite person, that the A's were more than likely going to play in Salt Lake City for a couple of years before they moved to Vegas. Now, the more I thought about it, the more it makes sense. I know a bit about Salt Lake baseball. I know that the Salt Lake Bees, who are the Angels AAA club, who have a beautiful ballpark in downtown Salt Lake, the outfield view is of Mount Olympus and the Wasatch Mountains. It's really one of the best views in baseball, especially minor league baseball. But they are building a new park south of the city. It's like half an hour south of the city. It's too far away. But they're building that. And the thought being there here, I think, is that the A's will come into a new ballpark there that they can make nice enough to, to meet major league specifications for the players union they can play a couple of years there and then when they move on they just can build onto that ballpark for their expansion team oh i see okay that's what i think is going to go on here Uh, that's not what Stu said just the fact that he said that's more than likely where they're going to end up for a couple of years kind of makes sense to me they're also looking at sacramento but that's an older ballpark it's not going to be as nice as a new ballpark and this new ballpark they can build with expansion, you know, in mind. So right. keep an eye on that. Interesting. Another cool thing I got to do at fantasy camp, doing the immaculate grid every day, doing it with former players. That's awesome. That was a lot of fun. One of the highlights was another, this is a different day, but I pulled Steiny in and uh, one of the, one of the categories I think was relief pitcher and the team was the twins. Well, there's a, you know, beyond Brett Saberhagen rapping and mesmerized, get mesmerized. There is a song that we love to play around here by a reliever that pitched for the Minnesota twins. I couldn't remember his name. So I'm, I go, who was the reliever for the twins? Senor Smoke. And uh, Sandy goes, oh, you mean? Juan Berenguer, and I said, thank you very much, and uh, put it in there, and uh, got a very good, very nice score. Nice. Also, Adam Rosales was there. One of the one of the days it was played at least one game at first base for the Texas Rangers, and so I'm sitting there with some of my buddies at camp, and I go, well, I got to go Rosie, right? And they're like, did he play first base? I'm like, he played everywhere. We got to try it at least. So I put in Rosie 0.05%. 
Perfect. So I went up and showed him and he's like, that's a good answer, right? I'm like, yeah, means I'm the only person playing today that has put your name in. You got that was funny because he is an awesome guy. Uh, also, I just last thing I'm going to talk about is uh, pitching highlight for me. Uh, so I pitched again this year, much better, knew what I was doing. I pitched four innings total. I gave up, I think, one run. That's it. Only walked one batter, got a couple of punch outs. I was involved, though, in a rarity in fantasy camp baseball. We threw a one-hit complete game shutout against Dallas Braden's team. Wow. I gave up the one hit, but, you know, I gave up that hit. The next batter, I got to ground into a double play. Oh, so, wow. So you faced the minimum. I faced the minimum. Nine batters, and including uh, two of my good friends were on that team. And I got them out. So that also is something for me to lord over them for quite some time. Beautiful. One other note about fantasy camp. I saved a life in wow. the locker room. One of my buddies that I made, made good friends with there, like me and like some of my other buddies, are into baseball uniforms. I had 28 hangers hanging in my locker, by the way. It's a lot of hangers because I had a lot of stuff. I would, I typically changed uniforms in between games because I had enough stuff. But uh, I wore, as we talk about a lot uh, here, I wore for uh, several of, our, of my games, I wore sanitary socks and real stirrups. Absolutely. And, and you were the absolute king of fashion on the field just because of that. I was. Well, first of all, Rajay Davis complimented me on my drip. My, Very nice. my spikes were outstanding, custom. Air Force One spikes. Umpires asked me about them. The grounds crew came over and actually asked me about them one day. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I look sharp in those. But one of my one of my buddies that I met, his locker was kind of near mine. See him putting on real stirrups one day. I'm like, that's I like that. Then I noticed he had white socks on underneath him. Oh God, come on. I was, I mean, I my own life almost ended. I kind of flash before my eyes, I go over and I say, listen, cannot let you do this. Cannot wear white socks under your stirrups. And he goes, yeah, sure I can. I said, you, not in this camp, you cannot. I cannot let you go out on the field like So who happened to be standing a couple of lockers down? None other than Hall of Famer Raleigh Fingers. So I walked over and I said, Raleigh, can I borrow you for a minute? Just over here. He goes, yeah, sure. Comes over. Point to the, I, I point to the socks here of my, of my buddy. And I say, Raleigh, he's trying to wear white socks underneath the stirrups. And he goes, oh, no. And I said, right? He can't do that. That's no. And he goes, no, you can't do that. I saved a life here by letting. You, you may have. Yeah. I, I mean, it took Hall of Famer Raleigh Fingers backing me up. But he relented and put on some gold uh, sanitary socks and huh. then went out so good thing yeah it, that could have been i mean you could have gone to kangaroo court and actually had uh capital punishment imposed oh yeah i i told him i said if you don't do this i am bringing you up in kangaroo court and i can tell you that dallas Fraden would not let that fly nope wow well nice job jeff you saved a life saved a life that's all we need to talk about fantasy camp uh for right now i'm sure i'll be dropping things in uh down the road, but had a great time. Let's go on. Uh, before we get to our trivia, Mark, 
I got two other things here. First of all, some uniform news for next season. Good news. Like, this is really good news. The Mariners are finally scrapping Major League Baseball's worst name font on the back of their jersey. You love that, though. Well, I just love everything about those jerseys. (laughs) But the fact that Robbie Ray's last name, R-A-Y, takes up the entire back because of this stupid font drives me nuts, but they are going to be switching to the same font they use on their home white jerseys, which they wear like two times a year. Right. But they're finally going to get rid of that. Now I just want to know when they're going to finally get rid of the Major League Baseball's worst uniform. Which is? Which is the Mariners, that the, the batting practice jersey. Oh, the BP jerseys. Yeah. Right. Just disgraceful. Uh, the Angels are doing something good. They are adding a pullover jersey to their wardrobe. I think that's pretty cool. I can't, I'm really hoping that uh, when they do that, they wear Sanzibelt pants with it. Oh, absolutely. That would really complete the look. Rockies are getting rid of the final vest jersey in the majors. Really? I, for one, welcome this. I think it's about time, yeah. Pullovers are coming back. Baby blues are coming back. The Mariners jerseys are at least, you know, trying to be better. Season's coming up all millhouse for me, jersey-wise, so. All millhouse. Mark, the two-strike noise sound that they play over the Yankees, you know, sound system when they get when they get two strikes. We've talked about this before. The, the, the Star Wars Claxton right here. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I found a story about that. The pitchers are not big fans of that. It is so loud on the field that they cannot hear the pitch com robotic voice. When that goes. So funny. Yeah. We'll see if they change that up or maybe lower it a little bit. But you just did a story on an actual two strike noise. Well, just wait. It's amazing. Wait till you hear about this. Yeah. Yeah. New year. Another best of list for two strike noise. This time, Mark, we made it on to the list of top strike podcasts. Oh, good. (laughs) Now, this is exactly what you think it is. Podcasts with strike in their name. Okay, no word if we made it to the best two or the best noise podcast. Just kidding. We did manage to make the best noise list as well, but we were suspiciously absent on the two list. So we got to step up our two game, I guess. We got to mention more twos. All right, trivia, Mark. Last show, I asked how many position players in history had ever gotten the final out of a playoff clinching game. Now, I realized that I had actually given this answer like a year ago because we had talked about this. But uh, do you remember what the answer was? I do not. Well, it's one. Just one. Rowdy Telez of the Brewers. Up 16 to one in the ninth. The Brewers just needed three outs without giving up 15 runs. And they were going to clinch a spot in the postseason. So, uh, hey, let's, let's put in our beloved first baseman turned uh, clincher. Closer clincher, I guess. would be. Yeah. Other pitchers, though, who secured the final out on the day the Brewers clinched a postseason berth. Raleigh Fingers, who I met, got pictures of at Fantasy Camp, by the way. Nice guy. Bob McClure, C. Sabathia, John Axford, John Hader, and Rowdy Teles. Rowdy. Good company. Yeah, he hadn't pitched in a game since junior high, but there he did. Nice. Next question here, Mark. We'll answer this on our next show. What was the first Major League Baseball game where two African-American managers faced each other? 
Well, that's a good one. So see if you know what it is. If you know, drop us a line, let us know. We'll see if anybody can come up with that. All right, Mark, it is time for the final segment of the show. It is time for, well, my favorite part recently. It is time where we're going to open up some old baseball cards. We're going to do some stuff. We're going to do some math. And uh, then we're going to proclaim a winner because it is time for Wax Packs Heroes. Wax Packs Heroes. All right, Mark, looking at the score. Wow. It's ugly. From your view, not, not yes. so much from mine. It's a struggle. Yeah, I am trying to win my first ever Wax Packed title. You are a three-time defending champ. Looking at the scoreboard right now, it is 18 to 11. We're playing first to 20. Feeling very good. I might even have Rowdy Telez come in the ninth inning today, regardless of how it's going. But if you are here for the first time, let me tell you how we play Wax Packs Heroes. We're going to open up a couple of Wax Packs. We're actually doing Wax this week as well. Some 1988 Donruss. We're going really old school here. We're going to open those up and we're going to pull out the baseball cards. We are going to take the baseball reference war from the year of the card. Like I said, 1988. We're going to add those. Whoever's got the highest total at the end wins. couple of things, though. Anything on the player's face, that means mustaches, glasses. Um, what else What else have we discussed? A monocle? If I they've bless. got a cigarette in their mouth, we're going to count that. Absolutely. Keith Hernandez, you know, might have that. Anything like that extra tenth of a point. The mustache, though, if it's a Raleigh Fingers-esque, Keith Hernandez, Wade Boggs, just magnum PI piece of beauty, we could give you an additional extra tenth of a point as well. If they're wearing real stirrups where we can see actual sanitary socks, that's an extra tenth of a point. But two and ones, minus tenth of a point, not cool. If the player won any awards that year, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, an MVP, if they were an All-Star or won a gold glove, that is a half a point each. If there's a Hall of Famer on the card, whether they focus or not, that's a whole extra point. If Ricky Henderson shows up on either pack, I'm going to get five points. If Nolan Ryan shows up in either pack, Mark's going to get five points. Mark, Nolan Ryan could show up in these packs. That hasn't happened for a while. I, I have a shot this time, yes. And just remember, last episode, we pulled two Ricky Andersons. So, <laughs> you know, yay. That's right. Any pop culture references we can find regarding these players, that is going to be an extra half a point, unless they appeared in either Sabrina the Teenage Witch, The Simpsons, or Seinfeld. That's a whole extra point because those are our favorites. If they appeared in the Mitchell Report or were suspended for drugs, domestic violence, any of those crappy things, that's a minus half a point. And Mark, we're each going to pick a team. And just like Ricky Henderson and Nolan Ryan, my team shows up in either pack. I get a half a point. Your team, you get a half a point. Who are you going to go with this week? You know what? Since 88 was Nolan Ryan's last year with the Astros, I'm going to go for the Houston Astros. All right. I am going to go with my home team because I went to fantasy camp last week. I'm going to go with the Oakland Athletics. All right, Mark, I got two packs here. One in my left hand, one in my right hand. Which one would you like? Well, everything's telling me left hand, so I'm going to go right. Go right. All right, I'm going to have you go first. 
and uh, let's get to it. All right, Mark. Here we go. You're going to start off with the outfielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. It is Rick Manning. Rick Manning. Did he even play in 88? Let's see. Rick Manning did not. 1987 was his final year in the big leagues. Yeah, I remember him for like a 70s guy for some yeah. reason. Yeah, 1975, he debuted with Cleveland, 13 years in the big leagues, nine with Cleveland, five with Milwaukee. Overall, a 11.7 war for his career, but that's not going to help you out. Uh, first round draft pick by Cleveland in the 72 draft. And uh, let's see, in 83, he was traded with Rick Waits to the Brewers for Ernie Camacho and Gorman Thomas. Okay. So, well, that one helped a lot. Not going to help you a whole So far, so good. <laughs> yeah, not a whole heck of a lot there. I want to say for some reason, I think he coached the University of Utah baseball team at one time. Oh, well, we started with something salacious, and now we're going to oh. kind of end with something salacious. Manning had a romantic involvement with teammate Dennett, Dennis Eckersley's wife, Denise. Ooh, wow. They eventually married and then divorced. Wow, that's mm. rough, a teammate. Yeah, I mean, isn't that what isn't that what Prince was it? Prince Fielder? Somebody? I there was somebody recently. I'm trying to remember who it was. I believe there was some tomfoolery going on. I remember something about that. Yeah, I can't recall who. It was. And I know that there's one current player that that that's all false, but. Regardless, there's nothing on this card that's going to help you out. So you're going to start with a big goose egg. That's uh, great. Next, you've got, oh boy. Boy, this is a young pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays with a porn stash. His nickname's Boomer and he lives up to it. It's David Wells. Hey, maybe I can get something out of this one. I don't know. I don't think he had a big numbers for his early Toronto stints. Yeah. Boomer in 1988, his second year in the big leagues, three and five record, 4.62 ERA. This was as a reliever. He had four saves, 64 innings, 65 hits, 56 strikeouts, a 85 ERA plus, and that is a war of minus 0.7. Okay, so maybe I'm not going to get something. Now out. he, yeah, but he does have the porn stash. So you're going to get a tenth of a point right there. Let's see. Nothing else is going to help you out there. Of course, David Wells, three-time All-Star, won two World Series during his career, one with Toronto and one with the Yankees. None of that, though, is going to help you out there. David Wells, like I said, Boomer, good nickname, kind of fits his personality. Big baseball, big baseball memorabilia guy, though, baseball history. Who knows? Maybe he listens to this podcast. Yeah, that'd be nice. Give us a call. As we, we're we're going to give you lots of information on how to contact us, David. As we talk bad about him. Of yeah. course, the perfect game with the Yankees. I think he was wearing Babe Ruth's hat during one of those innings, during that perfect game, I think. And I think he was pretty sure he was hung over as well during that game. He, he has a tattoo of Babe Ruth as well. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got a very impressive memorabilia collection. He shows off on social media sometimes. So take a look at all right, so you're at minus 0.6. Your next card is a Diamond Kings. It's an Astros, so that's good news for you. That's a plus five, or at least a 0.5 right out of the gate there. It is Billy Hatcher. Billy Hatcher. Hey, I used to love Billy Hatcher. 
I did too, but you know, the 1990 World Series happened. There was that. Yeah, there was the hitting 750 in the World Series against the A's that kind of soured yeah, me. Yeah, on he, was, he was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Billy Hatcher, overall 12 years in the big leagues, four with Houston, three with Cincinnati, three with the Red Sox, then the Cubs, Rangers, Bucks, and Bills. Let's see. In 1988 with the Astros, hit 268 at 321 on base, seven home runs, 52 RBI, 32 stolen bases, and a 102 OPS plus. And that is good for a war of 0.9. Yes. He also has a mustache. And because this is a painting, we automatically give you the stirrup bonus. So that'll be an extra 0.2 for you. Beautiful. Some positive points. That'll take you up to one even. Let's see. Of course, he was on that 90 World Series team with the Reds. The, I looked up the Prince Fielder thing was Anasail Garcia was sleeping with Prince's wife and caused a clubhouse fight, which injured Miguel Cabrera. Oh, wow. That's not good. Garcia was immediately traded and Fielder left the team and divorced his wife that offseason. All right, Mark, so you're at an even two. Next, you've got a uh, pitcher. Oh, this card is really cut poorly. That's going to really, I can, not going to be able to get this one graded. But uh, it is pitcher for the Cardinals, Joe McGrain. Let's see, eight years in the big league, six with the cards, and then split time with Angels and the White Sox. 1988 with St. Louis, led the league in ERA with a 2.18. Wow. Uh, let's see, only started uh, and appeared in 24 games, 5-9 and nine record with a 2.18 ERA, 165 innings pitched, 100 strikeouts, a 161 ERA plus. Yeah, his FIP was 299. So that's not too, that's not bad for leading the league in RBI, or leading the league in ERA. And overall, that will be a war of 3.7. Yes, oh, McGrain comes through. Yeah, nothing else on this card is going to help you out. What uh, did you say his record was that year? Let's see. His record was five and nine. Was it in 165 innings with a 2.14 ERA? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Agreeing first round draft pick from the for the Cardinals, 1985. We must have mentioned this before. His daughter, Shannon, finalist in the 11th season of American Idol. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think we've mentioned that before. I remember that. All right, Mark, your next card is outfielder for the Chicago Cubs. Went on to be a manager. It is Dave Martinez. Let's see, Dave Martinez, Kenan. 16 years in the big leagues. A slew. It is a good, immaculate grid. Four Definitely. With, yeah, four with the Cubs, four with the Expos, and then a bunch of other teams. 1988, he split time between the Cubs and the Expos. Overall, 255 average. Six home runs, 46 RBI, 23 stolen bases, and an 88 OPS plus. And that is good for a 0.7 war. Okay, I'll take a positive. Yeah, he's got eye black on and he's got real stirrups as well. So you're living right so far. Something's today. going right. It's been a rough season. This is interesting. September 2019, Dave Martinez underwent a cardiac catheterization after experiencing chest pains during a win over the Atlanta Braves. What year was that? 2019. He was managing, I believe. Ah, okay. Hope well, that must have been an exciting win. <laughs> Hope 
hope he's doing better. I assume he's, is he coming back to manage the Nats again this year? I haven't heard otherwise. I, I haven't either, but. All right. Uh, you're at 5.6 and you have got now a utility, super utility guy here for the California Angels. It is Mark McLemore. I believe he played for both the A's and the uh, Mariners as well. One of those guys. Let's see, 19 years in the big leagues. Wow. Five with Texas, five with the Angels, four with the Mariners, three with the Orioles, and then one apiece for Cleveland, Houston, and Oakland. 1988, his third year in the big leagues, hit 240 with a 312 on base, two home runs, 16 RBI, 13 stolen bases, and an 83 OPS plus equals a positive 1.3. Hey, I'll take it. Nothing else on this card is going to help you out, however, but I think that 1.3 is definitely from his versatility as a defender. Yes, and, and I'd like to put an end to the rumor that the rapper, Seattle rapper Macklemore, was named himself after Mark Macklemore. Do you know it, that actually, for sure? It's not true because, let's see, what's his name? Ben Haggerty, that's Macklemore. He had come up with the name when he was 17 and... That was like before Macklemore came to play for the Mariners. All right. Well, maybe he just enjoyed his super utility tag with other teams before that. You don't know. Yeah, well, it's true. I don't know for sure, but according to what everything I've read, it doesn't fit the, uh, the timeline. All right. Well, you're at 6.9. Nice. Your next card is pitcher for the Brewers, Mike Burbeck. Is it Burbeck? Birkbeck. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's Mike Birkbeck. Let's see. Six years in the big leagues, four with the Brew Crew, two with the Mets. 1988, he went 10 and 8 with the Brewers, 4.72 ERA. Used as a starter, appeared in 23 games, 124 innings, 141 hits, 64 strikeouts, and 85 ERA plus, and a war of zero. Well, it wasn't a negative, Mike. No. He does have a mustache as well, so. Wow, positive. That'll bump you right up to a even 7.0. So you got that going for you. Looks like he is the coach of the Kent State Golden Flashes. I think he's still there. Wow, Perfect. he's been there since 97. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. Interesting, he suffered a broken fibula. Uh, when he was playing for the Yokohama Bay Stars, and it was a comebacker from Shane Mack that uh, ended his career with the broken fibula. So it was a return from the Mack. That's right. Hey-oh. Let, let's see. Uh, I, just my guess, the way major leaguers uh, go in uh, Japan, it was in his first game. Uh, let's see. He appeared in eight, well, he only appeared in 12 games over two different seasons. Not a lot. Yeah. All right. So next for the New York Mets, this guy was, he was one of the dirt bags, the self-described dirt bags that sat in the back of the plane. It's Doug Sisk. Let's see. Nine years in the big league, six with the Mets, two with Atlanta, one with Baltimore. 1988 with the Orioles. He went three and three with a 3.72 ERA in relief. Uh, 94 innings pitched, 26 strikeouts. A ERA plus of 105, and that is good for a war of 1.0. Okay. That's pretty good for a 
middle reliever. Yeah, I'll take it. Let's see. He was a member of that 86 World Series team. Did get into one game uh, in the in the postseason. Well, in the World Series, at least. Interesting. He uh, He's actually from Renton, Washington. So he is a sales rep for Unique Wine Company out of Renton. Should go visit. You should do that. Get him on the show. All right, you're at eight even with your final card. It is shortstop for the Dodgers, Mariano Duncan. Mariano, I remember mostly with the Dodgers, but played for a few different teams. I was gonna, I was gonna call him Dunk, and there it is, nicknamed Dunk or Dunky. Overall, twelve years in the big leagues: four with the Dodgers, four with the Reds, four with the Phillies, two with the Yanks, one with the Blue Jays. Bad news for you, or maybe it's good news. 1988, he did not play. Oh, great. I'm going to guess it's probably an injury. Looks like he spent a little bit of time in AAA, but I'm going to guess he was injured. Uh, Also went on to play for the Yamiuri Giants in 1998 for 63 games. 232 average. Not spectacular. Coined the phrase, we play today, we win today, that's it. Oh, yes. That famous, we play today, we win today, that's it. If I don't see a shirt that has that printed on it every day to this day, man, let's see, traded by the Dodgers with Tim Leary to the Reds for Cal Daniels and Lenny Harris. Lenny Harris, pinch hitter supreme. Oh, yeah. Member of the 90 World Series game. Can we just stop with that already? All those Reds around that era, man. Those guys all get under your skin. All right, so overall, that will take you to eight even. Oh, wait, no, he's got, I'm sorry, he's got a mustache and real straps. Ooh, beautiful. Yeah, so that'll take you to 8.2. So uh, that's not a bad score. Uh, Let's go ahead and open my pack. All right, at least I scored in the positive this time. Of course, you're going to have three Hall of Famers and two Ricky Hendersons. All right, so here we go. My pack, we are going to start off with, well, this is a great way to start off, frankly. With the Toronto Blue Jays, Garth Ior. Garth Iorge. I think is how you say it. Orge? Orge. I like to say Iorge. Like I'm a pirate. Yes. Nine years in the big leagues, all of it with Toronto. Final year 87. So thanks a lot, Iorge. Nothing on this card's going to help me out either. Uh, he was a utility player who spent most of his career as the right-handed half of a third base platoon with Rance Mullinix, known as Mullinorg. All right. Also uh, played for the Bradenton Explorers, the Senior Professional Baseball Association. That's cool. And uh, a brother of Dane, of course, and uh, has been coaching in uh, the big leagues for a while. Looks like he played for Team Canada and a baseball classic and his uh, daughter plays softball somewhere in the NCAA. She in the NCAA, she platoons with Rance Mullenix's daughter, I believe. Oh, the Mullenior part two. That would be, be very auspicious if that happened. All right. Next. Oh, this is a good card. Here he is with the pirates. First baseman, Sid Bream. That could be positive for you. So I say it's a good card. I mean, Sid Bream, we talk about, you know, especially with the Braves and the Pirates. But he is wearing here, first of all, the Pirates uniform is a pullover. He's got Sansa Belt pants on. 
but the batting helm is all gold with just a black P on it. I like it. He does have a mustache too, so that's at least going to get me a ton. Let's see. 12 years in the big leagues, six with the Bucks, three with the Dodgers, three with Atlanta, one with Houston. 1988 with the Bucks, 264, 328 on base, 10 home runs, 65 RBI, nine stolen bases, nine caught stealing. <laughs> Boy, he went for a little bit here before his knee injury. He was a 50 50 base stealer, as, and it was 50 50 if he was going to make it. Probably should not have run quite that much. 113 OPS plus, and that will equal a 2.1 war. So I'll take that. Yeah, not bad. Sid Bream and his wife have four kids, including an adopted daughter from Russia. And one of their sons was named Austin Leland, named in honor of Jim Leland. Soon to be inducted Hall of Famer. There you go. Someone from Sports Illustrated called the uh, the slide, you know, the slide at home plate the most damaging play in the history of the Pirates. Interesting. All right, so I'm at two point two. My next card is a pitcher for the Expos, Floyd Yeomans. Let's see, Floyd five years in the big leagues, four with the Expos, one with the Phillies. 1988 with Montreal, he went 3-6 and six with a 3.21 ERA. Let's see, 84 innings, pitched 64 hits, 54 strikeouts, a 112 ERA plus. And that is good for a war of 1.1. I'll take it. He also has a beard and mustache here, so I'll take that extra point as well. Oh, look at this. Traded by the Mets with Hubie Brooks, Mike Fitzgerald, and Herm Winningham to the Expos for Gary Carter. That's an interesting trade. I think that one worked out well for the Mets. I think they did all right after that. Interesting. He had a number of comeback attempts. Independent leagues pitching for the Sullivan Mountain Lions, Newburgh Knight Hawks, those from the Northeast League, and a coach for the Catskill Cougars. And then... He, at age 39, attempted to come back with the Saskatoon Legends, but they folded five games in after he pitched five games. So That's what got to really screw up your season schedule if you uh, a team folds five games in. It, it didn't last long from what I'm reading here. I don't know. I don't know. It, that's just me making an assumption. So, Mark, I think you're, you're going to like this. Uh, one of my cards is a checklist. Oh, nice. So I would like to choose a, a player from this list to use. I You're not going to choose for me. you, man. All right. Which one do you choose? The 17th down. Now, don't actually look, man. I, it's going to be somebody good. Just watch the way things No, it's checklist. Going. Why would they put a checklist on a checklist? If you know you have If the I've got the checklist, I know <laughs> I've got the checklist. You shouldn't have to check it off. That's right. Do, am I sure I have the checklist? No wonder Don Russ sucks. All right, 3.4. Next card, a lot of brewers here. A pitcher for the brew crew, Bill Wegman. He sounds like he was a mariner at one point. Boy, not that I recall. No, he wasn't. Look at that. 11 years in the big leagues, every single one of them with Milwaukee. Oh, wow. They loved him. Big guy. Big fan favorite. 1988. 13 and 13 with a 4.12 ERA, 
He was a starter, 199 innings pitched, 207 hits, 84 strikeouts, and 97 ERA plus. And that is good for a war of 1.0. So I'm going to win here if I just keep getting 1.0 on every card because you ended up with an 8.2. Nothing else on this card, though, unfortunately, is going to help me out. And there's really not much to just for someone that had a career that long. There is really nothing to discuss about Bill Wegman. Hey, Bill Wegman, major league pitcher. Fantastic job. So we'll move on to a pitcher for the Reds. This guy deserves to be on the Reds. Uh, Pat Perry. So uh, this is obviously during spring training here. He's got his Reds hat and he's got a Reds jacket on and he is completely sunburned. So he's really a red. I can't tell if he is if he's ginger or just very fair skinned, but he is so red that he matches his hat and jacket. That's awesome. Well, probably not for him, but yeah. Or me. No. And I'm gonna look it up. Oh yeah, that looks <laughs> let's see. Pat Perry, six years in the big league, six with the Cardinals, two with the Cubs. Two with the Reds, one with the Dodgers. In 1988, he split time between the Reds and the Cubs. Overall, he went 4-4 four and four with a 4.14 ERA, 58 innings pitched, 61 hits, 35 strikeouts, and 89 ERA+. And that, oh, wow. With Cincinnati, he had a minus .9 war. With the Cubs, he had a positive .6. Hmm. So that'll be a minus .3 for me, and I nothing else on this card. Do I get... Well, he's got sunburn on his face. Does that count? No. No. I don't believe he does. Okay. Well, it was worth it. His Wikipedia is two Two sentences sentences long. long. (laughs) Well, we should edit it and say once suffered a severe sunburn during the day before Donruss photo day. (laughs) If he was peeling, would that have counted? Like if, you know, the sunburn was healing. And we'd have to go to the judges on that. Well, I'm the judge, so I'll take that. All right, next here we go with the Royals pitcher, Gene Garber. Well, he's got a mustache and beard, so I, I like that part already. So that'll be a positive at least. Let's see, wow, 19 years for Gene Garber. I mean, I think of him as Atlanta, but he spent a long time in the big leagues. I did not realize that. 10 for Atlanta, five with the Phillies, three, I'm sorry, four with the Royals and three with the Bucks. 1988 was his final year though. He was in Kansas City, he went 0-4, 3.58 ERA, not that bad, for 26 games, 32 innings pitched, 20 strikeouts, and a 113 ERA plus. And uh, that will be a positive point two. So I'll take it. Yeah, he had a positive out of it. One of those sidearm pitchers. Was he really? Yeah. I don't know why I questioned you so much there. My voice even raised or a little bit. You sounded upset about it. Yeah. He can't be that. He can't be a sidearmer. <laughs> Uh, a farmer at one point in Elizabethtown where he raised, he and his sons raised uh, eggs, emus for emu oil. Oh, I wonder if Johnny Bench knows about that. He Grew got to. Corn, wheat, soybeans, and barley. Well, how do you get oil out of an emu? Squeeze it real tight? I don't know. I don't want to know, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. You, I don't want to know where emu oil comes from, but. All right, so that takes me to 4.4. I have got two cards left. You finished with an 8.2, so I'm I'm just barely halfway there. 
I'm pretty happy about this card, though. First of all, because it's a Hall of Famer. With the Hall of Fame, that's just a positive point one right off the bat. He's got a mustache as well, so that's that's another tenth of a point. It is the genius behind Red's Hot, the greatest rap of 1990. It is uh, Barry Lark. Let me say the greatest baseball-centric rap of 1990. We'll put it. I don't want to go Definitely. out. I don't want to overstep my bounds. Let's see, 19 years in the big leagues, all of it with Cincinnati. Obviously, as I said, a Hall of Famer, a 12-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove, 1990 World Series. Jeez, enough. Nine Silver Slugger Awards. 1988, good news for me, his first of, of those uh, 12 All-Stars. So All-Star year there. Let's see, 296 average, 347 on base, 12 home runs, 56 RBI, 40 stolen bases, and a 119 OPS plus. And that, he led the league in war this year. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, that's great. <laughs> With 7.0. Wow, what a year. Yeah, plus he does get that all-star bonus. You're, that card beat my entire team. Yeah, that that did. Or no, you had 8.2 in this. Well, yeah, it did, because he's a the Hall of Fame bonus mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And the well, the red's hot. That's going to get me some some pop culture bonus as well. So Barry, first round draft pick, eighty five. I, that's pretty much all I got to say about Barry. We've talked about Barry enough in the past. Of course, he's a Hall of Famer, so big fan. All right, so that takes me up to thirteen point five. Okay, no, I love this. You've got a daughter named Brielle Deshay, named in honor of Shea Stadium. I think a lot of people have kids named after Shea Stadium, right? That's awesome. Because Chipper's got, one of his kids is named after Shea Stadium. I'd love it. Yeah. All right. Well, as I said, 13.5 with one card left, Mark. Okay. So as long as Benito Santiago doesn't get me a minus point, minus five, which I- Just get on with him. I I don't think he's going to. (laughs) Well, you don't need to be chippy about it. Just- let me bask a little bit. Uh, Benito Santiago, 20 years in the big leagues behind home plate, sitting behind home plate, throwing guys out from his butt and his knees. Seven with the Padres, three with the uh, Giants, two with the Reds. Boy, a lot of teams. Florida, Toronto, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and the Cubs. Overall, rookie of the year in 86, five-time All-Star, three gold gloves. And in 1988 with the Padres, 248 average, 282 on base. Won a gold glove that year. I like that. 10 home runs, 46 RBI, 15 stolen bases. Wow. Not bad. Still 21 the year before. And an 85 OPS plus. And that will equal a war of 3.1. Plus he had the gold glove. And that will... Oh, wait. He's also got a mustache here. Yeah, he's got a mustache. I just want to make sure I get all the points. That will take me up to a, well, we got to check pop culture. Because again, I, I do want to see all of the points. Did he rap at any point? It was a link to performance enhancers in the book, oh, Game of Shadows. Mitchell Report. Yeah, all right. Well, so you're going to get a minus There's 45. The <laughs> neato. All right. Well, that takes me to 16.7, which if I allow you, I'm going to let you do this, Mark. I'm going to double your score. Oh, thanks, man. I'm going to let you double your uh, 8.2. So that'll get you up to 16.4. 
And my 16.7 still tops that. You know, I, I let myself think for a while that I might have a shot this week. And oh, I, I saved it to the end that. there. I saved it. Those last two cards are what did it. But that'll take me to 19 wins. I'm one away from putting this bad boy in the trophy case. You know, we're not used to losing over here on this side. No. And, you know, you would have to win nine straight games here. And I'm just going to tell you that's not going to happen. Don't write it off, man. I'm writing Stranger it off. Stranger things have happened. No, I think I am playing the next game drenched in champagne. You know, I have just as much a chance in winning as Matsui had. I'm sorry. As Matsui had of uh, having a, a ginormous porn collection? I'm not going to bring it up. Never mind. I mean, I might even let Raddy Telez pitch the whole game. I'll tell you what, next week you get one card and I get nine. We'll see. Anyway, that's going to do it for this uh, this edition of uh, Wax Facts Heroes. Same, you know, different show, same story. I love it. That's also going to wrap up this edition of Two Strike Noise. Thank you for joining us once again. Hopefully, I will sound a little bit better next week, but we're back on the track here, ready to go. And if you want to find more of us, you can find us on all of the social medias. We are at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise. Mark also has an email address if you want to send his, you know, send him condolences. Yes, please do. I'm, I'm feeling horrible about this. You can write, what is it again? Oh, yeah, it's two strike noise at gmail.com. Just spell that bad boy out and we will be there for you. We got it. All right. As said, that's going to do it for this week. We will see you next week on another edition of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.